0: well hello everybody and welcome to our latest nothing but the poem where we look at uh, some poems by a chosen poet and I offer some insight into how our discussions went around the poems when we had our Nothing But The Poem meeting. We tend to meet on the first Friday of the month, and this is exclusively for friends of the SPL. Uh, So if you would like to join us and you like what you hear, you can join up as a friend of the SPL and you'll have access to our Nothing But The Poem discussions and the sessions that I organise. So I'm the project coordinator here at the Scottish Poetry Library. My name's Sam, Sam Tung. And I have the delightful honour of selecting the poems that we talk about for our Nothing But The Poems. And what this means is that I can select my favourite poets and get to discuss poems with the group. And we create our own interpretations around them. We do a kind of collective interpretation. And i am always come away from the discussions knowing much more about the poems uh, and appreciating the poems in much deeper ways. So join us if you'd like to. So in this Nothing But The Poem session, I'm going to read two poems by Kai Miller. Kai Miller is one of my favorite poets, I have to say, full disclosure. And both of these poems come from his 2007 collection, There Is An Anger That Moves, which is out on Carcanet. I also have to confess that I used some of Kai's work in my PhD back in the day when I was, I'm now a recovered academic. So I don't really revisit my PhD work that much, but this is a good excuse to revisit some of Kai's incredible work. I have to say in the sessions, just because I've chosen the poems and the poet, people can kick back against the, against my interpretations and against um, our readings. And it's always good to hear from people who don't like the poems we've selected because then we can, we can have um, even more wide ranging discussion. But in this one, um, most of the participants of the Nothing But The Poem group did enjoy these poems and offered some really interesting insights and um, perspectives on the ones I'd selected. So this first poem, a short one, is called The Book of Genesis. Suppose there was a book full of only the word let, from whose clipped sound all things begin. Fur and firmament, feather, the first whale, and suppose we could scroll through its pages every day to find and pronounce a let meant only for us. We would stumble through the streets with open books, eyes crossed from too much reading. We would speak in auto-rhyme. The world would echo itself and still. We'd continue in rounds saying let and let and let until even silent dreams had been allowed. Sukai so Miller's poem here has the poet has chosen the um, fairly weighty title it has to be said book of genesis for a very short poem the poem's only one sentence split across 10 lines and on the page it's in three stanzas and then that final line um, and I should say you can go and find this poem it's on the uh, On being website, and it's also in the poetry archive. So it's always worth hearing Kai reading his own work as well, um, and you really get the resonance in there too. So, yeah, when a poet decides to entitle a poem Book of Genesis, you are probably forgiven um, for thinking that this is going to be a fairly weighty uh, and perhaps highfalutin poem, I suppose, in a way. But of course, with that sense of book of Genesis, that title, um, it brings in a whole Western um, kind of sense of the biblical as well. When you when you start talking about Genesis, that uh, brings a whole cultural baggage with it. And what we uh, appreciated about this poem in particular was how the the poem itself plays against this and is much lighter for it and actually kind of tilts against that idea of the big, weighty, leather-bound book of Genesis. And when you hear the poem and read the poem, it's much lighter. And that word, let, um, the clipped sound from which all things begin, is this central sound and this central permission that runs through the poem. Perhaps sometimes the cultural connotations and religious connotations of Genesis or, or the Bible more generally is that it's a book of rules, kind of things that are um, are negative or things that are not permissive, let's put it that way. But here the poet has decided to tip that idea on its head and the word that is selected uh, as the most meaningful word in this is let. With all of those kinds of permissions to dream and um, permissions to find the let that is meant only for us. Obviously playing on that let there be light that I think most people could probably say that that's the first um, they could um, identify that as the first word in the, the book of Genesis. But here the poet takes uh, takes it right back to the, the first word being let and not really letting any more of the of the kind of jet book of Genesis or the biblical um, text enter into the poem and just is really playful. And inv- and it invites us in. Whenever a, a writer starts starts a poem with suppose, that's a that's an imaginative um, opening for the to to invite us in and to to let our imaginative juices get working on the on the words that are presented to us. So this idea of invitation and permission is really important in this poem. And the way in which it flows, as I say, it's one sentence across ten lines it unrolls um and like like a scroll in fact that obviously in that second stanza it says we could scroll through its pages every day to find and pronounce a let meant only for us and i think there's a bit of a pun on scroll there obviously we are aware of that word in scrolling through our smartphones and things like that but of course it's also a, a thing the book of genesis was originally written and um, collected on on scrolls, so this idea of this poem of just te- of just one sentence unscrolling as you read it, has a real kind of material uh, sense to it as well. And this is what one of the participants in the nothing but the Poem session um, highlighted that this is a kind of enactment. the poem is an enactment of that scroll unrolling with its fur and firmament, feather and the first whale. We also liked, as we were reading it, we also liked the clipped syllable. This idea that, in and I suppose this could also be coming from the Hebrew idea of uh, in the Hebrew language that actually most words are are three consonants long, and in in quite kind of um, mythological language and in some um, kind of rabbinical language, all things come from from these these three these three consonants and the creativeness, the creativity of God, um, or Yahweh, comes from that. So everything is contained within the word. And this is a very important kind of concept for for Kai Miller, and we'll see that in the next poem as well, that creativity in words is, of course, what his his art is all about. We were quite interested as to that final line about um, silent dreams being allowed, and just this full sense of uninhibited permission um, where even silent dreams had been allowed. So as much as there is the language and the the saying of the word, actually there's still that silence, that important silence that is at the root of, of the poem and of the root of the beginning of language. So it plays on that sounding and silence. And Kai Miller is a a poet that's keenly aware, as I say, of the power and cadence of of poetic language to create worlds. Um, And in a lot of his work, and this, I think this is, we could probably identify this as a praise poem in many ways, Um, and in a lot of his work, there is this kind of relationship between sound and sense where the words themselves are questioned and overturned and don't necessarily have to make sense in themselves, it's more the sound they make. The sound is the most important thing, rather than the sense. Obviously those two things are related, but in Kai's work it's often interesting to see how they sound, how the poems... the poems are supposed to be performed, they're supposed to be enacted, and that sound is that is that incredibly creative force. Mm-hmm. And that leads me on to the second poem that we looked at, in which, if we bear in mind the idea of sound being where the meaning can be found, rather than the kind of uh, textual meaning per se, there's this wonderful poem, um, which is brilliant to listen to. And I do urge you to go and um, seek out um, Kai reading this poem. Uh, this one is on the poetry archive, so that you can hear it, you can hear the poet reading it. and. As I read this one, just try and listen out for the moments in which meaning is in the sound of things rather than in the sense of things. Speaking in Tongues This poem begins in 1987. My grandmother dragged us to meet the Lord under a tent in St. Catherine. From here I trace the heritage of standing spellbound as women worship. Always I am on the outskirts. I remember my grandmother unbecoming, the kind of woman who sets her table each Sunday, who walks up from the river, water balanced easily on her head. My grandmother became instead all earthquake, tilt and twirl and spin, her orchid purple skirt blossoming. She became grunt and rumble, sounds you can only make when your shoes have fallen off and you're on the ground crying, Rabah! and Yashundai, Robasai, and ba 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 Years later, a friend tells me, tongues is nothing but gibberish, the deluded pulling words out of dust. I want to ask him, what is language but a sound we christen? I would invite him into a tent mm. where women are tearing their stockings, are on the ground pulling up fresh words to offer as doves to Jehovah. I would ask him if he sees no meaning here, and if he never had the urge to grunt an entirely new sound. The poem always would like to do this, always wants to break from its lines and let a strange language rise up. Each poem is waiting on its own day of Pentecost, to thrash, to robasai and yashundai, and the poem will not care that some walk past, afraid of the words we try out on our tongues, Hoping this finally is the language of God, that he might hear it and respond. This one really struck us when we um, read through it as part of the Nothing But The Poem group. And as I've said before, we do always make sure that we read these poems twice to each other so that we can hear them um, once possibly for the first time, and then we come back to them to hear them a second time after we've discussed them. And there's always things that come up at that point. And some of the things that we talked about around this poem was that kind of spellbound reverence towards these women, towards these women who are unbecoming the kind of woman who sets her table each Sunday. We loved that play on the words unbecoming, you know, the the idea when, if, somebody's behavior is unbecoming Um, it sounds like a a negative thing uh, it sounds like a judgment a pejorative but in here in the poet's hands and in the poet's memory um, and in the imagination and vision of the poem the grandmother is unbecoming kind of social norm uh, of what what the grandmother is supposed to be Um, and this is the the wonderful conceit behind the poem again about what is it that has to break down or unbecome in order for these words to rise from the dust these senseless words but full of sound these phrases and words that don't mean anything but sound out a whole new language and this is the double edge that kai miller is so fascinated in as well is obviously as a poet and as a writer the this poem is enacting exactly that it's performing words and sounds and that kind of creative power and emotion that comes through from that the really telling phrase that strikes me every me every time i read it is this where the the poet is talking to a friend who is obviously cynical and about the idea of speaking in tongues and just they're just the deluded pulling words out of dust and the poet asks this friend what is language but a sound we christen and in that, there is a whole world of linguistic philosophy and poetics and all kinds of and theological ideas and cultural ideas. And just sitting with that, that line, what is language but a sound we christen, feels like a key to understanding a lot of poetry, but particularly Kai's work and just that recognition that poems and poetic language has a vigorous life of its own and is always wanting to rise up every poem is waiting on its own day of Pentecost this idea that that language is beyond meaning and uh, linguistic kind of um, recognition that they have this sound that we respond to that Robosai and Yashundai and ba 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 still demand a response they still um, speak to us we don't know what to say we don't know what they're saying but we still respond to them as readers and as listeners and the poem doesn't really care if you're not understanding it per se, but just asks you to listen and and on hearing, make a response, make a response to it. Again, at base, at the kind of base level of this, this is all about language being elemental. It's in the dust, you can pull it out of the dust, but you can also harvest it. You can pull up fresh words to offer as doves to Jehovah, as the poem says. And this is a a poem that's very unafraid of sounding sounding that gibberish. It's a poem that's unafraid of gibberish. And maybe to all the poets out there uh, and poetry writers and lovers, maybe we should be less afraid of gibberish and listen in for what might be coming through in those sounds. So, yes, I hope that you have enjoyed just listening in on to these two poems and some of the insights that we have as a group when we're discussing them. Um, I would really, as I say, urge you to seek out um, recordings of Kai reading these poems. Um, And if you can catch him live, of course, as well. And then you might be able to hear those tongues of flame, the days of Pentecost that come out in in his poems and in others. But for now, I will uh, let you go. Uh, I would also say that all of Kai's collections are available to you if you come and borrow them from the library, the SPL, Scottish Poetry Library. We can post them out to you as well if you're a little bit further away. So yeah, read widely, read Kai's poetry widely, and I hope you'll join us again for Nothing But The Poem very soon. Thank you very much.